Thanks for coming to this week's podcast. Um, and this week, we're going to talk about the DDRB, the Doctors and Dentists Review Body. And really, we're going to discuss it as a, as a sort of primer as to how medical pay is set, because most people don't really know how medical pay is set. So today, we've got me, as per usual, I'm afraid, Mike Henley, Deputy Chair. We've got uh, Ram on the call as well. Ram? Hi, everyone. Uh, Ram Morphy. I'm an EMT consultant based down in uh, Wexham Park and at Reading and uh, part of the next team as well. And Den? Yeah, I'm Den Langor. I'm an emergency medicine consultant from Merseyside and also part of the negotiating team for the consultants committee. Thanks very much. So we're going to chat through this today. So I'm going to ask you both, um, doctors pay. So surely what we do is we just turn up uh, to government or something and we say we demand a 25% pay increase um, and it's a negotiation. The government say you can have two and we meet in the middle. Is that the way it works? Wouldn't it be nice if it did? Because we'd actually stand a chance of, of uh, potentially getting a pay rise every year. Yeah. Um, but no, sadly, that's that's not how it works. Right. Ram, what's, what's closer to the truth? So the um, there is meant to be uh, an in, independent pay review body um, called the Doctors and Dentists Review Body or the DDRB. Um, that was set up in order to uh, provide arm's length for both the profession and the government in setting what doctors' pay should be because of problems dating back to when the NHS set up that uh, doctors were not happy with the uh, negotiations they undertook with government in order to get an appropriate level of pay. I think, I think that's a really good point, isn't it? Because um, the NHS was set up in 1948, by about 1958, doctors still had a pay increase, you know, and when you read all this stuff about um, that, the only way you could get the consultants to join the, the uh, NHS was to stuff their mouths with gold. The reason they were so reticent is they said, well, hold on, you're asking us to work for a monopoly employer. Our pay will never go up again, you know, which is strangely prescient, isn't it? So that was why they were allowed to continue to do private practice. And it got to the, the 1950s and pay had fallen behind hugely. Government tried to give them a tiny little pay award. And they actually took it to judicial review back in the 1950s. And the judge said, no, you're being irrational. You owe these doctors 30% pay increase. And government were forced to pay 30%. So that's how it started off. Government thought, well, this, this is ridiculous. So they set up a, a Royal Commission to look at the mechanism. And exactly to say, Ram, it needed to be people that had um, the confidence of the profession, weren't in the sway of government or professions. So you weren't allowed to be a doctor or anything like that. You weren't allowed to be working in the NHS. It was quite literally the great and the good. Really, really famous people at the time, captains of industry, that kind of stuff. Um, and and uh, it, they were supposed to be neutral arbiters, basically. Um, and um, to a degree, um, you can see that um, it was it was a monopoly employer. I mean, is the NHS a monopoly employer now? It predominantly is. I mean, the vast majority of hospital consultants are employed by the NHS uh, for the majority of their working time. Uh, so I think it is. It still remains important uh, in today's day and age. Dan, there's a there's a quote. Um, here I just like dug out from the DDRB. Um, 
I'm going to read it out to you. you have to tell me whether you think it's relevant. You can give it a scale of one to 10 for relevance to the modern time. It's a document from 1960. The second aim is to give these two professions, most of whose members derive the greater part of their livelihood from the National Health Service, some assurance their standards of living will not be depressed by arbitrary government action. It may sometimes be expedient to avoid increased expenditure on the remuneration of people paid from public funds. It may be tempting to describe this as an economic necessity or in the national interest. While clearly the government of the day must govern, doctors and dentists must have some confidence their remuneration will be settled on a just basis. Relevance, once 10. Uh, I mean, it feels like that's probably sitting down at about a one at the moment. Um, I'd like it to be a 10, um, yeah. but it, I mean, we're nowhere near, we're nowhere near that statement, are we really? Exactly feels- those things have been realised, haven't they? That, I mean, exactly. Yeah. that's 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 exactly what it feels like it feels like you know the the funding for the nhs over the last decade see it feels very much as though it's been taken from the pay packets of the staff working for the nhs that we are in essence subsidizing the service from our wages um and that is completely contradicts what that the remit of the dzrb was for doesn't it national it's a national health service it's paid for by the nation not the not the salaries of the staff that are in it ram do you want to have a go at reading this one out let's see let's let's do a relevance test on this one so doctors and dentists in the public service should not be used as a regulator of the national economy their earnings should not be prevented from rising because of a fear that others might follow yeah um i mean it in that that is exactly the argument that we are hearing that despite all the evidence to the contrary it's uh, been used to say that increasing the pay of doctors will have an impact on inflation, which yeah. you know we know from all the economic experts is that is not the case. Yeah. Um, so, you know what the reason for setting up the DDRB in the first place it seems has come back as being very relevant now as to why we need a properly independent pay review body yeah. uh, to decide our pay. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's one little bit here. This is the real nitty gritty of what should what should um, control how medical pay rises for pay for doctors and dentists, um, and and it's right at the the nub of it. And it says we would expect that three factors which would always be relevant would be changes in the cost of living, the movement of earnings in other professions, and the quality and quantity of recruitment in all professions. I mean, they didn't put retention, did they, in 1960? Because nobody in their right minds thought that anybody who was a consultant would be thinking about going to Australia or Canada or retiring earlier or any of the rest of it. But but that, that's basically what it means. Um, and I, I'd, uh, I'd suggest, I don't know what you two think, I'd suggest that that, that is not what's happening at the moment. No, that's. T- I think there's always been, um, in recent years, a huge focus from the government on recruitment of staff for the NHS. And it's almost meaningless if you're not retaining retaining those staff Mm. um you know i think i've heard you before mike liken it to pouring water into a bathtub with the plug left open Mm. and you're never going to fill the bath um and you know we need to stop just focusing on recruitment Mm. because we can bring as many naive 18 year olds into university for medical school as we like but the truth is when you bring them into the current climate um, and they realize that their pay has not kept pace with inflation um and that the 
grass may be incredibly greener on the other side of the pond, the other side of the pond being Australia and New Zealand, for example, uh, we're not going to hang on to those doctors. So, yeah, I, th- I think retention of staff surely, surely at some point needs to become the government's focus. Mm. I mean, so certainly it's, it's quite interesting. If you look back at the, the original DDRB, um, it was supposed to be to be people of of standing and just to, I, I dug out the list of the original people and I'll, I'll romp through it so on the first one we had lord kindersley who was chairman of the commonwealth development corporation chairman of rolls royce uh, professor denison economist queen's cambridge New, and newcastle um, so archibald forbes who was chairman of midland bank and president of the british bankers association jh gunlake who was president of the institute of actuaries Sir Malcolm Knox, Principal uh, of St Andrews and Vice President of the Royal Society of Edinburgh, John Thompson, Chairman of Barclays Bank, and Geoffrey Lawrence QC, who was the main British judge at Nuremberg, first Baron Oakley, Lord of Appeal in Ordinary, preceded by Lord Macmillan, followed by Lord Denning. So these are really, really important people and people that are able to look at doctors' pay from what would doctors have earned if the same people, you know, the same a-levels and the same determination and pointy elbows and resolution and all the rest of it be earning if they've gone into other walks of life because it's you know, we, we still want the brightest and best going into medicine and i appreciate it's not just about finance there are lots of other elements to it but it's that's an important aspect to, to have a broad church of people i'm not going to be rude enough to go through the list of the current people on the ddrb um but um you know you can look it up you can look it up yourself but a lot of people just in general on the current DDRB are essentially NHS insiders. And I, 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 do, do we think that's going to work, having other people in the NHS deciding what doctor's pay should be? I think the, the problem or the issue that we need is that a DDRB that's willing to be independent and therefore that needs to stand up to government yeah. when, they're being, when they're being curtailed. And in the same way, they need to be, you know, they need to stand up to doctors when yeah if we're being unreasonable but i think where you have a uh, a group who will follow the government and as you know as we've seen will be willing to compromise what they've said because of what government said so do junior doctors this year being a, a prime example mm. then how does that engender trust in the profession mm. that these individuals will stand up and ensure that um, doctors pay is appropriate based on the original definitions that we discussed earlier about why it got set up and what they should be looking at to determine our pay. Definitely. So have they, I mean, have they ever, any, any got examples of it ever in, in ancient history when the DDRB did stand up for their principles? I think you're going to tell us. <laughs> I think you are, well, Mike. Well, all right then. <laughs> I was hoping someone else would, would say, but there we are. Back in, back in 1970, um, the, the DDRB uh, did the calculations. A bit like now, it was a time of, of, of high inflation. Money was tight, you know, the country was broke. And the, uh, and the DDRB said, again, you need to pay the doctors 30%. And government said, well, we just can't do it. So the whole DDRB resigned, every single one of them. And uh, they needed to appoint a new DDRB and then lo and behold, doctors got 30%. So you, this stuff can work um, with the determination uh, of the DDRB and the right people on it. And you know, I, I personally, and I'd be interested to hear your comments, I personally believe in the DDRB as a mechanism, as a fair mechanism. I mean, are we saying we want to get rid of the DDRB or do we just want one that works? I, I mean, from just... my perspective... Go around. Sorry, sorry. Um, 
Thanks, then. From from my perspective, I think we want a DDRB that works because otherwise we're left with this arbitrary year-on-year negotiation with government yeah. on our pay or getting stuck with a potential multi-year pay deal. And with the way the economy has fluctuated, it's yeah. very difficult for any of us to predict where it's going to sit. However, you know, we do need the DDRB then to work as per its original remit. And that does mean that they're looking at it independently, that they are not having their hands tied because government has decided that this is what's affordable. You know, the DDRB should make a recommendation. If government want to say, well, we're not going to pay for X, Y or Z reasons, that they need to be clear, not send the remit letter to DDRB. DDRB use that to determine. And then government hide behind saying, well, it's an independent body that has asked for it. Um, You know, as far as I know, government don't send a remit letter to IPSA, (laughs) you know, which decides their salary. Um, And so I think they they should, uh, you know, keep a strong independent DDRB to decide pay uh, rather than us having a annual, you know, negotiation with government year on year to try and work out making sure it's appropriate. Yeah. Then Yeah, I complete I completely agree with Ram. I think we do want a DDRB. Um I think it's important that we have one. I think like for all the reasons Ram says, we can't be in a situation of having um you know one-on-one negotiations with the government every year and potentially being forced into multi-year pay deals um because that doesn't necessarily lead to a particularly good situation i mean look look what happened with the junior doctors um they've been in a multi-year pay deal and they didn't even get the derisory 4.5 percent that that we were offered this year uh, which you know was no, nothing um even remotely resembling a pay rise given that inflation was way over 10 percent at the time so, yeah, I think, you know, we want a DDRB, we want a functioning DDRB, and we want a DDRB that are not under any influence from the government. They have to be free to make their recommendations free of outside influence. Totally. So, Ram, you mentioned there are a couple of ways that the government have completely corrupted the process, aren't there? So, so we're, we're you know, we're insiders and we're, we're conversing with all this stuff, but what is this remit letter of which you speak so the remit letter is written by government to the DDRB that it will essentially says how much the government is willing to pay mm. uh, as an uplift, um, utilising the argument that this is based on what the economy is doing and what can be afforded, which, as we'd already discussed earlier, doesn't form part of the what the DDRB should be considering. And this is separate also to the evidence that the government is providing uh, in the same way that the BMA used to provide for consultants until we pulled out of the process uh, a couple of years ago. But what it does mean is that the DDRB then utilise that to set the limit of what they're going to pay, which may not, uh, as is the case this year, take into account cost of living rises uh, and issues we're having with retention especially of senior doctors uh, into the service and the gaps that all of us are seeing at a local level and the problems this uh, causes for patients. Yeah, I mean, well, certainly last year was four and a half. RPI has been nearly 15% over the last 12 months. So so we're another 10% behind. Uh, uh, so goodness only knows what they'd need to give us this coming April to, to to make, even just to keep to keep pace. Okay, so it's, it's quiz time now. So uh, out of the last 10 years, 
how many times has the government directly interfered uh, in terms of, for example, saying don't give a pay increase or you can only give a, pay, a, pay, a maximum pay increase of X, Y or Z? Really heavy duty kind of interference, not kind of, you know, we're a bit broke and please keep it to a bare minimum. Eight out of the last 10 years. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. So how on earth can anything be an independent pay review body when eight out of the last 10 years government has specifically limited it? And how on earth can it be an independent pay review body when pay since 2008 take home pay in real terms has gone down by 35%? I mean, it's just, it's untenable, isn't it? No matter what they say. We've, we've certainly we've certainly written in our evidence when we are submitting to, to point all these things out every single year. And I think it's easy for people to say, well, what's the, you know, what's the BMA done about this? You've got an, an allegedly independent process. We've submitted brilliant data every year, really good, robust economic data, and it's just essentially been ignored. Um, uh, Dan, what are we doing about the DDRB then? What's our, what's our, our game plan with the broken DDRB situation? Well, I mean, we've asked for a, basically a reform of, of the structure of the DDRB to take it back to be more in line with its original principles, with um, the original Royal Commission terms. Um, we've specifically asked that the government must no longer be able to set any constraints um, on the DDRB from the outset, so that these remit letters that we know they've sent to the DDRB in the past, limiting their um, ability to recommend an uplift, need to stop Um we want people. We want the profession to have the confidence once again in the DDRB, um, mm-hmm. and which means it does need to be a truly independent body. Yeah. Um, we want to make sure that their evidence is submitted on time. Um, yeah, that's a classic, isn't it? The government. The government is this thing whereby we all submit our evidence. The closing date comes, and then all of our evidence is published. Government read our evidence and then send theirs in late, and it still gets accepted by the DDRB. Yeah, sorry to yeah. interrupt. Just no, I mean. It's it's just completely inappropriate, isn't it, that they behave like that? I think we want we've asked for a guarantee that the government will actually act on the recommendations of an independent DDRB, and that perhaps most importantly, that the medical profession will not be used as regulators of the economy um, going forwards. Because I mean, that is exactly what's happened to us, isn't it? That's that is exactly the situation that we're in, and the reason that our pay is has fallen so so far behind inflation. Yeah, exactly. The other, the other thing which uh, which which we've uh, which we've urged uh, and demanded is that before now we've repeatedly made the point to the DDRB that our pay has been eroded over multiple years, and the DDRB has taken the stance that well we can't look back in time. We can only look at the last twelve months, so we're not looking at that, which seems incredible because obviously when the DDRB was set up, that was exactly its original purpose to look at erosion of pay over time so you know that's never that's never been the case but there's been a complete refusal from the ddrb to this out i mean i'd say and i'd be great for your comments i'd say that that actually it doesn't feel like it it feels like a sort of bit of a boring kind of corner of the ddrb but actually fixing the ddrb is a really important part of sorting out pay and pensions i mean i think having a an independent body is important because obviously it's taken into account evidence from both sides and then makes a decision that takes into account all of that evidence and also looking at the, in some ways, the medium to long term, because, you know, our workforce crisis in some ways has been brewing for a decade. You know, this did not happen, you know, over the last 
over the last year and actually it's a recession really, if, isn't it? yeah and if, if if the ddrb had actually followed its original remit and looked at all of those things over time then we probably wouldn't be in the position we're in now with you know tens of thousands of vacancies uh for doctors uh, across the nhs mm. um and as we saw you know with ipsa you know they recommended a significant uplift to mp salaries you know, for the reason that the MP salaries had fallen behind where they should be, and it was important to attract uh, high-quality individuals to the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet we're willing to uh, not follow that for doctors and for the NHS. And we've seen now what happens when you don't have enough staff in the hospital, you know, nurses, allied health professionals, doctors. And that, in some ways, has been a failure over the last decade of the independent pay review bodies in the NHS. Completely. Um, it's, um, it's, a, it's an absolute crisis, isn't it? It's, so from Den's point of view, it's the reason why, for example, just in December alone, there were 50-odd thousand people in EDs that weren't seen within 12 hours because they're not enough staff. Um, similarly, there are 7 million people on the waiting list because there aren't enough staff. You know, What is it about? Um, 60% of juniors after completing foundation training are going off overseas to go and see what the world's like because paying conditions are so much better elsewhere. This is totally a failing of the DDRB and government's interference with the DDRB, and it, it can be sorted out, must be sorted out. I wouldn't say that IPSA is perfect. It's probably, you know, it's got some interesting elements in that, you know, every every new parliament is supposed to look at the um, look at comparative professions and then reset pay off the back of that, um, and then in between it's supposed to compare it to just an index, so it uplifts it by an index, so that no one is is tempted to fiddle too much in the interim. Having said that, even though that was the principle, uh, I note that IPSA didn't give MPs any pay increase for inflation during the pandemic, um, they should have just followed what the index did. You know, either either you've got a scheme or you haven't got, you know, a scheme, a a term of reference. And I think just going off piece isn't fair. People really need to know where they stand. Anyway, I'm going to leave you in peace because I know you've got lots to get on with. Um, I think that's been a a brilliant chat. Hopefully it's informed people um, uh, listening. Um, Feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter, we've told you before how to find us on Twitter. Um, we'll, we'll do our own little, uh, our tags in a second, but do do find us on Twitter. Um, and uh, as per usual, and I always feel like really American when I say this. Please subscribe, listen to the podcasts; they're quite important. Um, we've written to um, government about this, to the Secretary of State. We've had meetings about it. We'll be taking it further. We've not stopped yet, but we want your comments along the way. Um, I'm uh, Mike Henley. And my Twitter uh, handle is uh, at Trent Consultant. So goodbye from me. Uh, Den? Yeah, so I'm Den and I'm on Twitter as at DLG Den. Um, see you at the next one. Ram? Uh, I'm uh, Ram Morphy and I'm at Ram Morphy ENT on Twitter and see you at the next podcast. Yeah, thanks very much. Cheers, everyone. Take care and see you later. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.